Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn, and I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen. I head up branding at Ballard. We are your hosts. Today, we're excited. We have incredible architect Gil Schaefer on the show. We sat down with him when we were in New York um, right before Christmas, and so I think you'll enjoy the episode. But before we do that, we thought we would talk about the Super Bowl. It's in Atlanta this year, ladies. Are you all just hiding in your houses? Everyone here is so afraid of the traffic. I mean, yeah, I feel like yeah. I'm just not going to leave. Oh, I'm not leaving my house. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, so so then, <laughs> therefore we have to have great tips for having parties. Exactly, so and you got to do parties. all your grocery shopping early. Yeah, and get your plan together. Yeah, that's so, true. Mm-hmm. Are so, you guys hosting at your homes? I have no idea what we're doing. Yes, because I like I. my house. I'm yeah. hosting as well. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm a Taurus. I like everyone to come to me, <laughs> as we all know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, with a baby, it's like our adventures now are come to our house and we will cook, but that way we can like have her snooze in. But nursery, she can sleep you know? anywhere, right? Doesn't she sleep in that yeah, car seat? Yes, but it's mm, hard. She's it's one way, of those parents. Uh-oh. No, I just think it's way Drag harder out. to. It is. But I like hosting anyway. So I'm like fair. way okay. more comfortable just having people come over and, okay. you know. Yeah, but cool. that's fair. Fine. We may not do anything. Fine. Else. Well, Karen, what's, what, what are you I'm, doing? Yeah, you're I'm you debuting my basement. So <gasps> I've been doing my basement renovation. It's not really done yet, but most of it will be. Um, guest ready. So yesterday, like the sinks are in, the waterworks. I think the the bathroom should be done this week, which is important when you have people over here drinking yes. a lot of beer. I've got my kegerator, yeah. as you know. There's no beer in it yet, but Joe's on that. Um, we have our Compton's Bar from Ballard. I've got my bar stools. I've got my furniture. Um, I've got it together, I think. With the exception of one minor detail. Except the television. We do not have a television. Yeah. <laughs> I feel oh like that's God. the one must-have for a Super Bowl party. No, yeah. I know. We went shopping for televisions, and they're so, to me, very difficult because there's so many options. And, you know, when you go into Best Buy or something, of course you want, like, the one that looks amazing. So Joe and I picked out this expensive television. It was, like, <laughs> a, $1,100 or something, yeah. and we got home. And we're like, okay, you know what we're going to do? And Jacob, my seven, 18-year-old, was like, Y'all are crazy. All you're watching down there is football. Like, you don't need a good television. You're not going to watch movies because it's not really – the space is not outfitted for, like, lying on a sofa and watching television. It's really for kind of hanging out bar area. Yeah. So we're not going to be down there, like, Netflixing. You know I what I'm saying? I love that your 17-year-old talks yeah. sense into you. He's yeah. like, you can find a $400 television. Y'all are crazy. And I was Plus, like, oh, like, okay. <laughs> you don't really need it to be very big because 65 inches, Caroline. But you're like – 65. No, isn't that you I will say my husband. Well, 65 is not, I it's mean, not, that is not that that's big. That's sort of normal. We're, we're sizing all of our media that we're drawing, like everything I've drawn for Ballard is 65 right yeah. now. Like, well, Joe's theory is, not theory, just thinking is the television is as big as the wall. <laughs> so that's how big the wall will accommodate. Well, Caroline is just cringing. Well, that's because you're not, you're not big TV people though. Like, but it's more to me like if it's too big and you can't get far away from it, then it's like it hurts my eyes. 65 is not that big. It's not that big. You'll be fine. Come on over and check it out. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Anyone who wants to come over, 
Come over on Super Bowl Sunday to my Are house. Are we invited? Sure. Yes. Okay. Get on over there. <laughs> oh my gosh, you have to tell them about your annual party that you okay, throw because so I, it's adorable and I love it. I do. I, I host, I co-host with two of my friends, two girlfriends, a Super Bowl party and it's on Super Bowl Saturday and it's a soup cook-off. So it's soup or bowl party. So um, it's a soup cook-off. We just had our seventh annual Super Bowl cook-off party. Um, Wait, but it wouldn't be... It's usually Super Bowl Saturday, but this year we had to move it a week or two early because okay. one of our co-hosts is going diving. She's a okay. big diver. So we moved it. Like water little, diving. Yes. So we moved it a little bit earlier. <laughs> not skydiving. No, not skydiving. It's true. Water diving. There are different dives. It's scuba. Different dives. I guess it's technically called scuba diving. Um, <laughs> and so uh, y- you don't have to bring a soup. Um, but if you bring a soup, it's all blind. You come in, you register, we put the soups out, we number them, we label them, um, and then everyone tastes them and votes. And so this year we had um, 15 soups, I believe, which is really an ideal number. We've had more like 25. No, really, I think it was 13 this oh year. We've God. had like 25. That's too many. You can't eat them all. You're stuffed. Um, and it's like really crowded. So, and so we, then you don't get a like true gauge if you don't test everyone. Oh, exactly. It's not fair. <laughs> so we had about 35 attendees, also a prime number if anyone's trying to re, like recopy this, and about a dozen 13 soups. And um, I mean, people are hard competing. Like they are into it. You know, people bring, um, you know, like toppings and accoutrement and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so serious. does every all the toppings have to be in place before everyone tastes them? Yeah. Like, okay. Well, so everybody the, arrives like right at the same time, pretty okay. much. Um, so are they all in? Um, Slow cookers? Like, how do you? Yes. Okay. Well, ideally, everyone brings a crock pot. This year, we actually had five on the stove. So that was unusual. But um, the rest were all in crock pots. And then you vote, and we give out a trophy. Um, I made two soups this year Ina Garten, Pozole. Well, I was worried we wouldn't have enough. Like, at the last minute, two people texted me. He's like, oh, I had a really rough week. I can't oh, okay. bring a soup. And I got all panicked that, that we wouldn't. Yeah, so you're like, soups. I'm making two. I'm making two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I made two soups. Um, mine came in last and next to last. Oh no! Even though it was uh, Ina Gardens, I know. Well, I made the pork pozole, and you put corn chips in it, and as it sat for like an hour, it just absorbed, absorbed, absorbed the liquid in the crock pot, and it uh, got really thick. It needed more like broth. Gotcha. So, but it was delicious. I mean, I went home and ate another bowl. It was really good. And I've been trying to give it to everyone I know because I made two giant like things of it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And then I made beef stew, which was really the last on the list. With beef stew? I did the New York Times recipe. People did not like it. Only got five votes. And my pizzoli got eight votes. And like the number one got 37. <laughs> So you can obviously vote more than once. Well, we rank it so the, if you get to you get to go first, second, third on your ballot, and so if okay. you get a first place, then you get three points for that. Second place gets two points, and so got it. People can vote for more than one. So we give prizes. Did you vote for yourself? No, I don't. But apparently, everyone else does. Uh, I'm the dummy who didn't. <laughs> but I found out that Joe always votes for my suits. Uh, Isn't that oh, sweet? Oh, Even if he doesn't like them. I mean, that's just loved. That's I know. And then we have this really really cool trophy that we give out every year, and the person gets to take it home. And so, anyway, it was fun. Do they get to keep it for the calendar year? Yes, they get to Mm -hmm. keep it for the year and then bring it back next year. And so, actually, this year it was Peking Duck Soup that won. (gasps) So, do you have anyone that like brings the same soup every year? No, no, you can't. No, you can if you want. But But if you didn't win, why would you bring it back? Good point. Yeah, maybe you spend the year duck come back. No, they do not. I've never seen anyone do that in the seven years we've done it. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. how many soups there are yeah. that they've done. 
That's oh, a man. lot of soups. It I mean, is I crazy. love soup. I just couldn't. Do you have like an email that you email everyone's recipe out? Because that's what I want. Just forward that. To if me. people want it, yeah, we put it together. And if people want it, we'll yeah. get them together and send them out. I want so. this Peking duck one. If I want it was all like, of them. Well, I maybe the not the Peking losers. Duck recipe I don't want your beef stew it. recipe. I do. I want it. Okay. Why don't we yeah. post that, the winning recipe? Yes. Okay, that'll, that'll be, be fun. Awesome. We'll put it on the show notes. Well, speaking of soup, I tried a new soup yesterday, and it was amazing, and you're going to love it because it was a white bean soup. I love white beans. It was so good. You have you put um, – you like – well, actually, Will made it but um, because I'm not cooking these days. But um, you like saute some uh, bacon, like chopped up real small, almost like a pinchetta, mm-hmm. and then there's like carrots, onion, celery um, – there's a lot of butter in there. Okay, so give me that Navy recipe beans. too. Yeah, it was really yummy. I want, the, I like, I I have, want all the recipes. I, I have, love soup. Um, I have leftovers for lunch today. I'm really excited about it. Cool. <laughs> you know it's good when you're excited about the leftovers. Yes. Well, I love leftovers. Mm. Ugh. Some of them good, some not so mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't like leftover salad, but you know, soup is good. Like, who eats leftover salad? Nobody. David always boxes. I'm like, no, exactly. Throw it. You gotta either eat it. Eat it or consume dump it. all of it, or yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Unless it's cabbage, it's about to think differently. <laughs> but yeah, also holds up. Yeah, or like a you know, like a no, no. Well, kale and cabbage they do really do better once they've kind of sat a little bit. I think we're off topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what are you doing, Taryn, for your Super Bowl party? If you're hosting, do you? I also want to have a tip about wings because we're big on making wings at my house. Joe Mooney you give it to is me. a wing maker. Okay. So he okay. doesn't even like eating anyone else's wings because he is so focused oh. on how delicious his own are. And we use a deep fryer, but here's just a tiny, tiny tip. Take your deep fryer outside. Don't bring it inside. Like deep fry your stuff outside yes. in your deep fryer. Plug it in on the porch. Why? Well, just so the smell? it's stinky. Yeah. That oil smell. It's not good. Okay, I read. I have not done this, but I read a really good idea for a Super Bowl party food. Okay, and it was a um, baked potato bar. That's where cute. like you that just do a, a bunch of baked idea. potatoes. That's really cute. And then you do all the toppings, and then you do like a chili topping, and you can mm-hmm. do like different things to stuff in your like you could put beans in your potatoes and. You know, your classic sour cream okay. cheese. But I want to raise a red flag on that. I love the idea. Okay, I think it's a great idea, but it rings of a taco bar right which sounds like it's not hard it taco bars take so much time and energy because you've got fifty thousand little things you're like putting together i gotta chop the onions i gotta chop the blah 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 i gotta do that and it's like all these things of it i think you can do it all in advance true and then stick it out and walk away yeah yeah plus a lot of that stuff like you could buy a can of chili you yeah. don't have to make chili you know you could buy a can of chili you could buy a lot of prepared items mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and stick it in that most yeah. of the people are just going to do cheese. And then you could keep those taters nice and warm while people are watching the game and they can eat it at their convenience. Taters. <laughs> taters. Anyway, I thought that was really cute. That's I'm really cute. It. Anywho. All right. Okay. Any other, like, I got nothing. tips and notes? Any, like, Drag um, a television into your dining room. I think that's always good, too. Like, if you have a family room with a TV, but all your food's in another room, take, like, your bedroom TV and put it on a little table in the corner. Oh, like, multiple televisions. Yeah, Yeah. because then, like, also, like, if the ladies want to hang out in one room and not be, like, there where all the guys are screaming at Tom Brady, then they can, like, hang out by the the cheesed up and... That was fun. Happy I'm there for the food. And And the social hour. Yeah, social hour. I like to always bring a really good, like, homemade guacamole. That's my I love guacamole. My, I have a like put your recipe up because maybe I mean you know what I mean. I don't. I don't really have a recipe. Mm-hmm. I just sort of. I don't either, but I make a mean I guacamole. Do, 
I do not like tomatoes in my guacamole. Mm. I just like onion, lime, and salt. Cilantro. But- I don't do oh my gosh, I hate your guacamole already. <laughs> no, I just like, Ugh. I, it has to be chunky. It can't be smooth. I get yeah. freaked out if it's too smooth. Yeah. And I just like a lot of lime and a lot of salt and then a little onion r- diced really, really fine. No cilantro? I mean, Ugh, I can't be friends with you anymore. I Some try people really time, do hate cilantro. I like cilantro, oh but I, it's gosh. more about the lime and the avocado. Lots of lime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And salt, obviously. A little jalapeno? Mmm. Jalapenos are good. Jalapenos. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's just what man, I Man, like, we should have a guac off. A guac off? We mm-hmm. should. I'm in. I won't tell you my secret. Oh, yeah. I just told you all my secrets. Karen, uh, Taryn, <laughs> we're all sharing here. <laughs> that's really I rude. I have a secret guac off. <laughs> P- pretty much, I just want to watch the Super Bowl and eat buffalo chicken dip. It's like, mm-hmm. it's the one like party where I'm like, okay, so it's it's cold. I can eat all the dips. I just want hot I do dips. Love a dip. I just want hot mm. dips. And yeah. the summer, you're, I'm all about like a nice cold cucumber dip or whatever. No, this time of year, I'm like, I need a block of cream cheese that's been warmed mm-hmm. in some form or fashion mm-hmm. in my face. So it's pretty <laughs> gross, but I, I love the fat season. <laughs> this is my fat season. Excellent. All right. All right. <laughs> <We> will, <laughs> no secrets there. <laughs> so then you have to participate. You have to send your, give us your favorite dip recipe then, Taryn. You have to contribute. Give us your buffalo chicken dip recipe. Deal. And we'll put it on the notes. Ooh, or a pizza dip. Ooh, okay, I've never heard of it, okay, but I want it. You can submit more than one recipe. Y'all, we'll put links to all of the recipes in the show notes. HowToDecorate.com. Let's talk to Gil because he's awesome. We are so excited to have Gil Schaefer today. He is a renowned architect. You went to the Yale School of Architecture. Fancy pants. <laughs> <laughs> you have two best-selling books, The Great American House and A Place to Call Home. You're on the 8100 list. And I know that all of our listeners has, have seen your work in their favorite shelter magazines. And um, you are also an interior designer. So you have Sometimes. that element. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> There's that element too. So welcome. Thank you Thank for you. coming. I'm thrilled to be here. We appreciate so, it. <laughs> so sometimes you're an interior designer? Yeah. Well, in the sense that we we were primarily architects mm-hmm. in my firm. I am an art trained as an architect. I have no training as a decorator. <laughs> um, and we occasionally get asked to do decorating. Um, and we do it on a very limited basis, maybe a couple projects at a time among all the projects we do. Um, and I I don't call myself a decorator because I really have no training in it. And, <laughs> and I have That many, doesn't stop people. Well, <laughs> but, but you think about all the people who have come and sat in this chair and talked to you about decorating who really are decorators, who are people I admire greatly. And so I, I know I know my place in that pecking order. Uh, well, one thing I noticed um, that you talk about a lot in your books is that idea of collaboration. Yes. Um, I mean, really embracing it, which I was hoping you would talk to you a little bit because I feel like sometimes people are like, well, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm the right thing here. But, you know, you're you're collaborating with interior designers and with landscape people. And yes. I like there's long lists. Yeah, You're like, absolutely. here's the eight people I collaborated with on this house. <laughs> Talk about how that process works a little bit. Um, well, I, f- I find that the older I get, the, the, the less I know, you know, that, <laughs> that old saying. And I think it's really true. And I, I love what collaboration brings to a project because all those different points of view bring new ideas that you don't 
have on your own. And I think that's much more interesting. It's why it's why we only decorate a small number of our projects because I love that process of collaborating with Miles Red or with um, Tom Shearer we're working on with right now, both of those guys, for example. Um, and you learn so much from them and from their points of view. And it brings something different to your architecture, I think, as an architect, when you have those different points of view. And there's also the collaboration with the builder who you, from whom you can learn a tremendous amount, I think, if you listen. Um, and then also from the craftspeople, uh, you know, who make beautiful things for you, for your projects. And I'm sure in product design, uh, Taryn, you're thinking about that too, like what, the guy who's going to make mm -hmm. the thing that you draw and what you learn from that. And, and so I, I love to be open to those mm -hmm. kinds of conversations because you learn so much. Um, I think in architecture school, you, unfortunately, you're, you, because you're all by yourself as a student on your own, you kind of, you kind of learn that you, it's all, that it's just you, you're the genius all by yourself. But <laughs> the reality of the profession is that you have to work with many different people to get a building built. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, uh, so, uh, that's really the truth of what we do. You can't do mm -hmm. it all yourself. Mm -hmm. even if you Otherwise want you to. just have plants. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe not even. Beautiful. I mean, yeah, that's you know, true. it takes a village sometimes to do a that's set of plans. So. so Miles did your bedroom, collaborated with you on your own bedroom, did he not? Well, he collaborated with me on a, on more than just a bedroom. We worked uh, we worked together on my house in the Hudson Valley. Your whole home. And then we worked together on um, an apartment I had in the village, um, uh, which was both of which were a lot of fun. And then we went on to work together in for clients which was a lot of, has been a lot of fun over the years mm -hmm. his aesthetic is so when i look at his projects i would never think oh gil schaefer <laughs> <laughs> well we we often joke about the fact that that he, um you know i'm way over in the conservative end of things mm -hmm. and he's in the kind of wild and zany end of things and that we pull each other toward the middle in our projects mm -hmm. and that that's kind of interesting because he gets he gets me out of my comfort zone and Maybe I rein him in a little bit sometimes. <laughs> oh. What's the um, wildest thing he's talked you into? Ooh. Well, I mean, none of this really wild because it's me, right? But but I think that <laughs> one wonderful thing he did in that bedroom, I think you're referring to in my house in the Hudson Valley, was I had I had this swatch of a Benison fabric, printed linen, which I loved, and I said, "Well, can we use this on a chair or something?" And he said, "I think you should put it all over the walls," and that just blew my mind. I'd never <laughs> done that before. Uh -huh. I never thought about that, and of course. That's exactly what we did, and it was the most wonderful thing to be in that room and feel like you were in a forest or something. It was really, it was beautiful to me, and and I loved it. So just that's just a silly little example of where he's, you know, pushed me to do something I didn't even think of. Right. Um, and decorators hopefully do that all the time in that conversation you have with them. And so. I loved that idea. Speaking of that room, um, you have a that large painting of a man. Yes, like a sort of a dapper gentleman with a top hat. Yes, it was in my grandmother's house. Yeah, right. It would in Georgia. Yeah, um, and you took the frame off because you were like, oh, it's too much, too dressy for the space. Yeah. You know, kind of trying to get that juxtaposition of right. what's little, going little on. high, there. low, maybe. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I would never think of doing that. No, you know, I like that idea. Right? So then it's just a stretched canvas, but it's this very kind of formal mm -hmm. painting. Yeah. Fancy pants kind of painting. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then uh, uh, the other thing that you did, which I thought was great, um, and it, I think it's a practical thing for people to do, is really, all right, I got this fancy guy in a top hat. I'm going <laughs> to 
surrounded in the room and in the space with other pieces of art that have guys in hats. Yeah, that kind of inspired me to do that. Right, and you have a bus and he's got like a little straw fedora. (laughs) Um, And I think that, you know, when people are sort of stumped as to, all right, I don't know what to do with this whole space, you could kind of just pick one zany little thing. Right, It could be all black and white photography or it could be all, you know, like girls in petticoats or whatever you want. Cats, dogs playing poker. (laughs) I feel like it's much harder to be playful than it is to be formal. Like it's because of the confidence issue, right? right. Like you, you have, have to have trust to, yourself. That's okay because it can go awry. Right, and <laughs> someone might walk in, careful, and, so and you might be like, "Oh, well, yeah. what is a little too safer going to think of my dogs and hat, or you know, <laughs> men and hats, <laughs> or dogs playing cooker?" Like you might not even know until you point out. It's all men in hats or guys in hats, oh, right? right? So mm-hmm. maybe it needs to be something subtle that only you know, right? True. Oh. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm a big fan of subtlety, but, um, you know, and that, I mean, maybe that, you know, that's the thing that some miles is sometimes at a little higher volume. And right. Not and super I'm, subtle. And I'm, um, but I love that about, about his work. And, uh, and I'm, I tend to turn the dial way down the other direction. So um, it's nice when you, you know, pull toward the middle. Well, you know, um, some, that just reminds me of something that Sophie Donaldson told us when we were interviewing her, which was, you know, she she uh, was the editor of House Beautiful magazine, mm-hmm. and she was talking about, you know, she, she would get, you know, angry readers sending her things like, why are you showing me that bathroom? That's ugly, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, it is my job to show you things that might not be in your comfort zone. We all need to be looking at things all the time that might not be what we want, but we're going to learn a little something yeah. from them, you know, as, as opposed to that echo chamber that we're all getting in when, you know, the internet's feeding us more blue rooms because we like blue rooms, right? Oh, um, you know, yeah. or Pinterest or anything like that. Yeah. It's all based on what you already like the or algorithm. you're browsing. Yeah. Or even your Instagram, <laughs> yeah. right? So making yourself look at the world around you and things that are not necessarily familiar or your go-to are going to help all of us grow, stretch, and learn. I agree completely. Do you continue to study? Obviously, you know a lot about architecture, and historically speaking, too, because you do, you know, obviously you're on the traditional side. But do you find that you have continuously found... Um, new things to study in the traditional sense? Uh, a study meaning traditionally study versus yeah. studying traditional things? Yeah. Mm, actually, <laughs> you can go either way. Study of traditional things. What did I mean? Um, <laughs> I, I mean I, I'm always looking at things. I'm always, I mean, we're just, we constantly have books coming into the office and I look at every magazine and I look at visual information. I'm a little behind on, on, um, on my Pinterest and Instagrams because <laughs> I, I run out of time. But yeah. but but when I do, you go down the rabbit hole of looking at things mm-hmm. that you hadn't seen before. Um, and I think that's really, really important. And I think our library is is the backbone of our office and and it and literally it's it runs up the spine of our office it runs the whole length of the space and and the books and i and i expect everyone in our office to look at books and to educate their eye because i think that makes your work richer um and and then too as you were saying to get out of your comfort zone to look at things you didn't uh look at and that that's sort of the story of my the next house i did which is the one in maine um, where I really had to get out of my comfort zone to do that project, but and we can come back to that no. whenever. But um, no, uh, it's in your new book. It's in my new book, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a project that fell into my lap kind of by mistake or by accident, in the sense <laughs> that 
I was uh, waited too long to rent a house. I, I would like to rent a house up in the Blue Hill Peninsula where that mm-hmm. house is and in August and I waited too late uh, to find a rental. And so I ended up in, in, in a house that on the water, but a very kind of architecturally suspect house um, <laughs> with an amazing site and uh, right on the right on the edge of the water um, with this amazing view. Uh, and uh, I kind of fell in love with the location and then and then I learned that the house was for sale and and I thought well this is interesting because I always wanted to end up somewhere in Maine later in life and um, you must have some good long underwear <laughs> well no. I'm not there now but, <laughs> but it's great in the summer when it's yeah, hot true. But, so the house uh, and there isn't really a picture of it of it before in in the book my book but um, it that looked I say that it looks sort of like um, Swiss chalet meets a frame barn mm. and it was really not interesting architecturally and kind of a little bit ugly and then inside it was all orange stained wood mm-hmm. and mm. sheetrock and um, lovely so when I showed some pictures of it to some friends, they really thought I was crazy. Um, but what I what was interesting about it was that it was not trying to be anything in particular, which I thought was interesting architecturally. And I was certainly not going to be able to make it into the classic main cottage that I had dreamed about, you know, shingles mm-hmm, or something, yeah. right? Um, and so that forced me to to kind of think differently about it. It couldn't mm-hmm. be couldn't have classical columns or moldings or any of that it needed to be more modern or more barn like mm-hmm. and and then that led me to think in the decorating like how am i going to decorate this because you can't fill it with a bunch of 19th century american furniture and have it feel well you could but it, i didn't think that was going to be as interesting yeah. maybe uh-huh. that's so i thought that i needed to look at something more modern and that kind of led me to to study as to mm-hmm. use your word um uh, mid-century furniture and see if something in that could live in that environment mm-hmm. with maybe some old pieces that I'd found around Maine or wherever. Um, and that was really, that was hard for me to push myself out of the things that I knew and loved. And and also no color, I love color. And I and I thought mm-hmm. that this house should not have color or if it did have very faint color because the, the view of the water and everything mm-hmm. was so strong. Um, so it really caused me to rethink everything for that project mm-hmm. in a way that I had never had to in anything else. Did you give Miles Red a call again? Uh, well, I, I, I thought it would be more fun just to, to surprise him and see what he thought afterwards. But, um, I'm going to do it myself and see. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, no, he did not, he did not get involved in it. But you were the one who, so in, in your house in Maine, you have a sofa facing the water yeah. and a sofa facing the fireplace yeah. for the evenings. And and yin yeah. Yang yeah, and I yeah. loved it. You were like, well, obviously, in, one well it's light out i'll be drinking coffee staring out and in the <laughs> evening i'll be drinking wine facing this way and i just love that you left it open and that you again like an interior designer you thought about how you were using this and i'm yeah. sure as an architect you already think of you know that was a room that could not really be solved so much by architecture the one architectural mm-hmm. thing was to change where the kitchen was to run long ways in the room but mm-hmm. then it was really then you were still left with this huge space that didn't have any any organization to it and uh, and that decorating really is the thing that had to solve that to make sense out of it. It was and big. It was it's a big, big and, space. And and no architecture was going to solve that unless you were going to put walls up, which of course you weren't in that big space. Mm-hmm. So uh, I really had to put that that decorating hat on and yeah. lay the architecture one to the side. Um, and uh, and that's interesting because you you you're thinking about slightly different things when you wear 
those two paths. Right. Um, My favorite part, we, of course, we've all been going over your portfolio and books, trying, you know, in preparation. But my favorite project was, I believe, I can't remember what, I think it was an El Decor, was the summer camp that you did Mm. in in California. Valley, California. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I would love for you to tell everyone about that because, wow. Sure. You you start, and I'll talk about my my favorite <laughs> you start part. Too. And we'll okay. interrupt. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, there are a few things that are were really incredible about that project. One was the clients who were, were amazing. They were um, uh, the husband was from originally from Texas. The wife was from the Bay Area. They lived here in New York. They're both entrepreneurs. Really interesting couple. Creative. He really drove the project because she was having a, having another baby, and she just said, "I can't get into the thick of this." So. Mark, my husband, is going to take the lead. Um, and we actually didn't see her. We saw her at the first meeting and then at the end. I feel like very um, few oh, wives wow. probably do that. Uh, very yeah. few wives do that. But Mark is an amazing guy and, and really interested in design, even though that's not what he does in his work. And um, so they bought this house that was early, early in its life in the ni- late 19th century, a camp. And then it was added on to, of course, over the years. Like a summer camp? Yeah, like a YWCA camp. Okay. Um, the very core of it. Um, and it had wonderful um, board and batten siding and big, big old divided light windows. Um, but then it got added on to, you know, Higgledy Piggledy. And, and it was kind of a mess um, by the time we got there. Um, and so but mark had a vision like what this could be for them and it was on this wonderful hillside mill valley and uh and so we kind of jumped on board with him and and got to work and kind of took it apart and then put it back together but what's really important about the project besides mark is rita koenig who was the decorator Mm -hmm. who was phenomenal in understanding the real essence of the house and what it needed to be and what it needed not to be and it needed not to look like it was decorated within an inch of its life yeah but that it was just sort of stuff pulled together from wherever over time mm-hmm. and uh and she did all that in the most amazing natural easygoing way mm-hmm. um and then we from an architecture standpoint just turned the dial way down there's no you know bells and whistles or tricks really it's just simple uh simple design and and then using beautiful materials mark the client was really dedicated to the idea that every piece of wood would be old, reclaimed wood on the walls, on the ceilings, on the floors. So there was no new piece of milled wood that was crisp. Everything was slightly wavy and the edges were all worn. Um, and so it feels, I think, when you look at the pictures, uh, it feels like an old house. Yeah. Uh, even though it was completely rebuilt to the, you know, taken down to the ground, built back up again. Well, I think there was a line in that, in that article in El Decor and you said it looks so old but everything is new so you know and i think that's the magic of the work that you do it's to Mm -hmm. take something and either rebuild it to its you know sort of previous splendor or create something that references that that way yeah but the, the reason i love that project is because i felt like you know um, Rita Koenig is Brit- is from England, yeah. and she brought that like English country feel yes. to the house. But then yes. also paired with your more you know classic American style, like it came together in a really. It mm-hmm. goes back to what you're talking about with um, collaborations. It just came together to create like this 
I don't know. You will recognize the pictures. Yeah. Um, it's because it's been on mm-hmm. all over Pinterest. And the amazing and thing about that collaboration, and it speaks to the technology technological age we're in, is that we never met once during that project. That we did everything oh, by phone and mm-hmm. by you know sending drawings mm-hmm. back and forth and talking. But we never we never got the chance to sit down across the table from each other and and do it. And in fact, I never met Rita until about a year after. The project was done and I was in London and I said, hey, we've got to finally yeah. meet because you know, we have this love fest even though we've never actually met. And yeah. and, uh, and now we're, we're embarking on a project in Nashville together, which is I'm super excited about. So. How does that meeting even go? You're like, hi, nice to meet you. And yet we've... I know. We well, she's so warm. And it, which I, I mean, that warmth of her as a person obviously comes through in the architecture and mm-hmm. that, that, that house is so warm and cozy. It's clear that you love and embrace um, tradition and you built your home to look as if it were aged. Right. Just explain why. (laughs) You know, explain to people why a new build isn't all that. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what is it that you're in love with that we should appreciate? I suppose it's very personal and I don't know that it's everybody's cup of tea, but for me... Uh, a lot of my work is driven by memory and that, and that sense of, and it isn't even necessarily precise, specific memory. It's the general feeling of, of, of a time in the past when you, when I was a kid or whenever, and I, and I grew up in different houses and different places. And I, and um, what was in a way, what was most meaningful about those experiences were those places. And, and I guess because I'm wired to be an architect, I love the architecture of those places too. And so um, I suppose in some way, and I'm sure a psychologist would have fun with this, I, I'm trying to recreate in some way those memories mm-hmm. in the work that I do and that feeling that I had growing up mm-hmm. in those places. Um, and so it's very, um, it's not what anything they talked about in architecture school, but it's very feeling driven, feelings driven. Mm-hmm. Um, emotional. My, emotional. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I don't know how to describe it technically. It just, it just mm-hmm. is. And I don't know if that's right for everybody because not everybody has the same memories. But I think a lot of people I've encountered that I work for love old houses. And I think it's because it t- strikes a chord of, of, of something that they love, maybe from their past or places they visited evoke something for them and so we try to bring that to the projects that we do um and you know maybe i just because i'm i've always been kind of tuned into some of those those things that those attributes that give that feeling that that i bring that to the work that we do what are Um, some of those things attributes that you're bringing to those projects well that um saggy floors saggy floors (laughs) this um, this is what i was i was so excited to meet you because where you're heading so one I'm. I grew up going to an A-frame off the coast of Maine. Oh wow! My whole life. This wow. summer, in my mind, is that same visual that you have you've created for yourself. And so, for me, that's summer. Anyway, so in my yeah, <laughs> that's anyway. really cool. So second, so I was once I read that, I was like, oh, I love him already. And, <laughs> and two, I also was very interested to talk to you because we live. I personally live in an old ranch in Georgia, uh-huh. and we bought it knowing that we're either one going to completely tear it down because structurally it's I mean it's has metal posts in the basement keeping it jacked up so it's like you know uh-huh. but two I I love old and and so many friends and people our age and in, in Elena have have new new builds and you, it, right. you walk in it feels like a new build yeah but I hate the 
nuances some of the nuances of it being an old home too so you're like so my husband nuances is a word but inconvenience inconvenience. and (laughs) lack of things working right 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 so you're like i want to like some days you're like i want to tear this thing down start anew and then you're you know how do you infuse that old into it and i loved the tricks you talk about you do in your home in hudson valley that how you know the bathroom you make you made sizably larger because they used to be in a room right. that they've now created right. into a restroom. Exactly. Um, so anyway, I, I wanted to hear more about how do you infuse that old into a place that it, maybe you do have to start new. I think that um, not that using old materials when you can uh, is nice, I think, and that helps to give you that feeling. Not using too much sheetrock if you can help it. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are uh, alternatives to sheetrock? Um, well, I was listening what, to a panel the other day and they were yeah. saying no sheetrock at all. I'm like, that's aggressive. It is, that is aggressive <laughs> and it's expensive. Right. So it, it's hard to do, I think. But, but um, I mean, using wood when you can. Mm-hmm. And I, I also put fabric sometimes over the sheetrock, uh-huh. you know, paperback fabric or wallpaper or something uh-huh. just to kind of have a different uh, sense of the space. Um, uh, old floors, if you can do it. Um, uh having things not be so perfect you know like mm-hmm. an old house is usually imperfect because it was added on to over time and you no know, sometimes it was just done where you needed to do it you put the addition and the door's a little off or it you know it's not quite the right height those kinds of things i think you know signal uh that that kind of history and we'll we'll sometimes create a little mythological history for our houses that mm-hmm. like it was added to over time and there's a door in a funny place or the ceiling heights change or the moldings are just a little bit different they relate so that it's not like a crazy quilt of chaos yeah but, but um there's a sense of of things happening over time um which i think can help to uh-huh. make that feel not so brand spanking new. so it's not obvious and then pro- you just, just feel it as you go through yeah. it right and then i think just proportion and detail and doing it right i mean it, it's the problem is that most architects don't get the benefit of any education in the traditional language of architecture it's just not taught in schools and the the, the there are a few the university of notre dame being the most notable one and then the university of miami has um coursework in traditional design but most and there may be a studio here or there in the various architecture schools but in general there's there isn't any kind of fundamentals so a lot of architects just don't know that there are some basic rules that would give you a good proportion to a room or to a door or to a molding they just don't know really and, and that's that appalling like to me architecture 101 yeah it, it's just not taught it's not considered relevant by by the academy in the you know capital a and and uh and I went to Yale and we didn't te- really get any teaching in that. We got, I got a wonderful education about how to think about design, which I will always be grateful for. I didn't learn anything about how to design a molding or proportion a column or, or a room or anything like that. So I had to learn it afterwards and I learned it in some wonderful traditional firms here in New York that I was very lucky to work at. But uh, And Notre Dame wasn't really up and going then. The program, the classical program, which it is now, and that's where we get Notre Dame and Miami or where we get a the majority of our employees in my company because they're trained they're classically trained wow all um, right anyone listening they want to first go um go to but, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway that, that's a sort of a tangent but i think so i think that's why you see a lot of so-called traditional houses that don't quite look right 
but Atlanta, I think, is an exception because you have some really good traditional architects mm-hmm. in Atlanta, many of whom are friends of mine and who I, whose work I admire hugely. So, But there's plenty of really, really awful stuff being well, built. Oh, God. As Wait, exactly. I want to go back to this good list for my own personal. Yes. Like, who's your top ones in Atlanta? No, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mention some, but, uh, but if yeah. I mention some, I'll forget somebody else yeah. and they'll, they'll, be, they'll be hurt. Off the but. air. <laughs> you can give um, us a recommendation. No, there are some, I mean, and from a traditional sense, too, with the history in the South, what what is left, you know, it is some great learnings. Well, yeah. I think it's so sad when people are just trying to put as many square feet as they can on their lot, which my neighbor's two doors down <clears throat> said to me point blank, and I just looked at them like they were insane. Like, well, it doesn't cost that much more to us. It's just as big as we could. I'm like, but why? Yeah, but why? Because you, if you have to, <laughs> there's so many reasons not to do that from the, they have to heat and cool it. Um, mm-hmm. to Clean it. I have to buy carpet for all of it. I have to buy furniture that's of the scale that makes sense in a room that's mm-hmm. that big. And that's why I think not no no knock to restoration hardware but some, the scale of some of that furniture is so huge because it it's really made for all those houses that are overscaled right. and and, mm-hmm. and and you try to put that in an old colonial and it you know it's like the it's like somebody put an elephant into the room and, and, <laughs> literally um, and you can't get the elephant uh, in the house or mm-hmm. or a new york city apartment but it's not really yeah. made for that it's made for these mm-hmm. houses that are so supersized and I often try to convince my clients that when, when there's a budget, and there always is a budget, even when it, if it's a huge budget, to, to, to make it a little smaller and put that money into the quality of what you get uh-huh. so that you have be- more beautiful materials and um, better detail and less volume if you don't really need it. Yeah, hmm. smaller um, often feels so much better. It feels yeah. so good. It feels comfortable. Well, you have. I think you have, it's nice to have a mix of scales in a house to mm-hmm. have a big space. But so, like in Maine, in that house in Maine, there's a giant room, right? Mm-hmm. That's thirty-two by thirty-two, and then there's a cozy little library. When, as you know, from mm-hmm. Maine, it can get yeah. damp and cold, and you really want to kind of hunker oh, down and be yes. in a cozy space. And so, <laughs> you have both of those. I think yeah. it's important to have that that mm-hmm. mix in a house mm-hmm. and you know to have spaces that are tall and spaces that are a little bit shorter and you also talk about continuity a good bit i think uh-huh. you know um and well tell us what that means to you uh well i don't know that's a big word it can mean a lot of things right? but i think <laughs> in general and it's probably because i'm a, a virgo that i'm so obsessed with sort of order and and continuity as part of order and and um having things make sense I think, and maybe that was part of my Yale training, which was to really, if you, when you have an idea, to to carry it through with rigor uh, and um, and continuity, and to be consistent about what you're doing. And um, uh, so, I'm not sure how you're thinking about it. But I think I, I, I was thinking more about sort of the inside to outside continuity. Oh, of the space. between ins- Oh, sure. You know, because you talked a little bit about what's going on in May. Yeah. You talk about gardens and landscape yes. architects and all of that, and. I think often people don't consider the way that their exterior relates to their interior. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. For, well, to me, I think it's so important, and um, and maybe because I love landscape, um, I, but I think I think a house is so much better when it engages with the landscape. And um, sometimes when we're doing renovate, when we're renovating for a client an old house might not have as many any uh, as much of that strong connection between inside and outside and so we'll try to introduce that to make first of all it brings in more light into the house but it also strengthens that relationship between the inside and the outside 
um, and it draw and, and you want to be outside. I think. I mean, unless mm. you're you know in the desert or something, it's really <laughs> incredibly hot. But I think, uh, and and that's what's fun about working in California is that you can the indoor outdoor is the, the lines between the two right. are very blurred because you can. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of wonderful. And then some, and then in the South, when it's not too hot, you can really do that. Um, and then in Maine, when in summers, right? You can really leave it <laughs> yeah, open. And it, everything and, open. Um, so it depends on the climate, but. Yeah, I love that you spoke to that you actually create rooms outside. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I've that there's obviously a long tradition of that in landscape, mm. but I, it's the thing that maybe because I'm an architect, I love that idea of creating rooms outside as well as rooms inside, and then, and then connecting them. That continuity you're referring to between them, which can be through an axis or a path from one to the other, mm -hmm. or or a, an object out in the landscape that draws your eye out, and then. And then ultimately you and had wanting to go see what it is, um, and yeah. So we, I certainly did that in in the Hudson Valley in my house there, mm -hmm. where I made a series of garden rooms, I guess, mm -hmm. through hedges and walls, just to uh, it, just because it's more interesting, I think, and fun. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I have that 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 big hedged room that has absolutely no function other than just to go stand in it and feel wonderful. I mean, it, has, it, has, it has no other function. You play bocce out there? I feel like I, that's I, perfect. I, we croquet. have not bocce, but we have croquet. we've done um, mm. golf croquet where you kind of start up there and move around. Um, and then yeah. I've had friends who've like carried the the table from the terrace and brought it up into the into that hedge room. Yeah. We've had dinner there and stuff. So it, it's fun for sort of the impromptu uh, thing to do awesome. in the garden. <laughs> do you have any architectural pet peeves? Oh boy. <laughs> um, That's a yes. <laughs> um, I'm sure I do. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I mean, bad moldings, um, um, down well, lights. What, what entails a, a, a bad molding? What do you mean? Describe it. Um, incorrectly proportioned mm. um, um uh too many shapes stacked mm. on top of one another um <laughs> which sometimes i think if if you don't have any training you think well that molding needs to be bigger so i'm going to buy three of them and put them together mm. and, that, and that can work if you know the language of moldings because it is a language that you have to learn to mm. be able to speak fluently and <laughs> if you don't know it it sounds a little bit like gobbledygook it's like you know speaking French or Spanish, but you don't really know how the words go together. You just have words, and um, <laughs> so you see that. I think in, and I'm sure we all have seen it in houses that mm. there wasn't the benefit of a good classical architect or classically trained architect to put together the moldings. or any architect at all, right. or any architect at all. <laughs> right. You went to That's you went to the lumber yard furniture. and you bought some molding and you put it up and you thought, well, mm. you know, I I need a six inch molding, so they just enlarged it and it, it's mm -hmm. yeah, it's terrible. Preach. And Can I, I tell you one of mine. Yes. Yeah. Um, weirdly placed windows or like right. every window at the Home Depot, they're like, oh, I need a Palladian one. And then one that's like, a, you know. Or not considering like the exterior of the home, how that looks when you're looking at the window placement. Yeah. Like I just put windows in the rooms because I want like, well, you have to look at it from the outside. Too. It's a balance, right? Yeah. Between <laughs> wanting it to make sense inside and, and outside. And it's not easy sometimes. And I'm, I'm always curious about the, you see some in, in um, houses in a, in a, that were built quickly in a development or something. And there'll be a wall of the house that has no windows. Yeah, oh why? God. And I think, well, 
I'm sure that they, they save money to do that, but but it, it, it's just a big blank face then. So it's so hostile to <laughs> what's around mm-hmm. it. And people, I think, are obsessed with it. privacy. Well, that I understand, Which, but there's but there's I, lots of ways to get, like, I mean, whatever. go open the Ballard catalog and you <laughs> have a lot of solutions some, for that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Are you were going to say something about lighting too, some sort of um, down yeah. lighting? Big down lights. I mean, you know, the, where, the, where the, the, the diameter of the disc is, ah. you know, five inches or something, and then it's a big silver reflector inside. Uh, I really dislike that. In the yeah. um, and when we, when we, it's not that I'm against downlights because I think they they have their use, but we we use a smaller aperture one mm-hmm. so that it's just more subtle in the ceilings. Yeah, the tiniest one you can get. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I think that's a good. We yeah. we talk a lot about lighting because we all obviously we all as humans yes <laughs> react to lighting. Yeah. And people, I don't think, understand yeah. what, how much it, it can affect the way a room feels when you yeah, walk I agree. in. And it's but then there's, some, I, when I walk down the street in New York, and you know, in the evening, and you can look, people's lights are on, and mm-hmm. you can, especially in the village, where you can kind of see into apartments, and and uh, the light, and it's more like even if they have, you know, shade or something blocking the lower, because the windows are tall, you can see up to the ceiling at mm-hmm. least, and the light, the quality of light sometimes is shocking how bright and cold it is. Uh-huh, blue. Yeah. If, if your house is like, glowing you blue, that? walk yeah. out in the street and look at your house. If it's glowing blue, you've got the wrong bulbs. Yeah, and, right? and luckily Change it. <laughs> LED, LED bulbs are getting much, much better. And I think mm-hmm. they continue to improve and the, the warmth of them, 2700, 2800 yes. is the number you want for your the temperature, the color temperature. Yes. Um, <laughs> It's a good tip. I just learned that last week. Oh, I didn't, I'm doing the lighting in my basement. I know, but I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> no, Caroline did. You had a very helpful article about it, which I did reference. <laughs> Caroline's like, I wrote that article for you. Did you read it? Oh my gosh! That's my funny. the neighbors behind me just built a mat. They knocked down a ranch and built this. I don't even know what the architecture Make mansion. Is. It looks like a um, CVS where when you an emergency <laughs> care CVS like oh, God. like one of those and you like urgent care. So there we go. Yeah. It looks like an urgent care. Anyway, well wow. they did the the really we walked in while it was mid construction. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as you do walking yeah. the dog uh-huh. as one and, does. <laughs> yes, and they they had the big accordion door. You know what I'm oh, talking about along yes. the whole back Nana side. Wall. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, and um, wait, what's it really called? Cool. Nanowall, Nanowall, I think is well. They're the one one of the companies that makes those those yeah. doors that can fold. Kind of collapse into. Yeah, yeah, it's essentially a whole wall that yeah. folds Which into. Is cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but- Anyway, but my favorite part to the house, which is what I was getting to, so after they finished it now, because we have the big 50s windows in the back side of our home, it you can see partially the back side of their home, and they have a light, and I'm not sure where it is, but somewhere on the back side internally, that changes hues oh. like in a car when you can like make oh, yeah. it like glow green glow mm-hmm. blue yeah but it goes from blue to green to purple to what? red as the evening and it's not but it like continuously changes this I don't bright know. color i don't think it's in a good way wow. no i'm not saying this good just because I'm, you can doesn't mean you should yeah. <laughs> I, and obviously this they want to like i don't know He put it, I don't know, but see, these are the things I'm like, this is so interesting that someone thought that's a good idea. But, and they also just put the house up for sale. They just finished it. They finished the pool, put the house up for sale. It's 3 million. Uh, Like, and I'm like, somebody that has that much money. It's only 2.5 without the light feature. 
That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> no, anyway, my point is, is it's like the lights. So I was like, why would you put that why? lighting in that home? And it just goes all night and you have to look at it out your window? It goes on, it's on the back side. I mean, I don't. It's, it's not shining in your window? I, no, I'm not staying up to the, <laughs> to the, the glow of green. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was a very interesting choice. I was like, yeah. okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Rights to live. Girls, words live by. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. We're going to put that So, lighting them with you. That's what I, my, I should have just said, lighting them with you. <laughs> no, that was good. <laughs> you know what you should help us with? Okay. Some dilemmas. Okay. And one is about lighting. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Taryn's going to read he it just He just answered this. Well, The first one is from Ruth. She says, we still have overhead track lighting. Should that go? Uh, well, Ruth. I, the, the, short, the short answer is yes. Um, buy some beautiful lamps at Ballard. Um, but the... <laughs> I, I think that sometimes that's there's reasons why it can't. So I think in that case, um, 